Hey there, everyone. This is Angie Wachowski, and you are listening to Bet On You Radio. This is the place where we get to feature what I like to call ordinary, extraordinary individuals who are seeing their futures, taking risks, and just making things happen. And I've got one of those people here today. Her name is Amanda Hunt, and she does it all. But the all that she does is just really varied and just fascinating. She gardens, she hunts. You know, big game in Montana. She and her husband uh, live in Wolverine. They own a fencing company and they just launched a new endeavor. And this is the Blue Ribbon Barn, which is an events space. So I'm excited to be here with Amanda, who also works with her husband. So I'm sure she's got some great guidance there (laughs) that she can offer about that endeavor. Welcome to the program, Amanda. Thank you so much, Angie. I'm happy to be here. I love hearing people's stories about how they find themselves into this arena life. So do you mind sharing with us where you grew up and just a little bit about your background? Absolutely. So I grew up in northern Michigan. Um, My mom and my stepdad were entrepreneurial. My stepdad has his own company. And growing up watching him go after his dreams and bring his work into our family really made me someday want to own my own business. But I never thought it was possible. I, I was scared, and I didn't have that drive to get past that scaredness. And so I actually went into the medical field as an EMT, mm-hmm. and that's where I met my husband, Jordan, and he was a paramedic. We worked together for a few years, and we were both in different relationships, got out of those relationships, came together, and he started his own fencing business. And about a year into that, um, two years into that, the chief said, I'm not firing you, Jordan, but I'm telling you, you need to go do this on your own. You can come back if you need to, but you need to go pursue fencing. And so that's how we became to be entrepreneurial spirits. <laughs> I love all that. And there are like a hundred different risks that you talked about in that yeah. build up. I yes. want to go back to dinnertime conversations. What type of business was your stepdad in? Yeah. Um, so he was a plumbing and heating guy. So tradesperson. Tradesperson, yes, yes. And he still runs it. He still does it. Um, And my mom was the secretarial aspect of it as well. So she was involved. And just seeing the life that they got to build, you know, they could go on trips together whilst other people were running the business for them. They weren't confined to a 40-hour week every week and you only get two weeks off type of schedule. But I bet they worked all the time. All the time. Yes. Yeah. It's like, it's like that perception of entrepreneurialism. Like, I'm not going to have any bosses and I get exactly. to do what I want. It's like, no, you've got like hundreds of bosses now. Yes. And, <laughs> and you're working all the, time, all the time. But it's that perception yeah. of freedom that's invigorating. Yes. Yeah. And the one thing with when you said dinner conversations, that was one thing that they were always very um, stern on was coming home and having dinner. Cell phones were away. We were all sitting at the table together as a family unit. And we have brought that into our family now too. And I really enjoy that, that no matter what, we're home by six, six thirty. we're having dinner together and there's no business talk at the dinner table. That's a discipline, isn't it? It is. It's really hard, especially when you have something you need to tell your husband and you're like, I can't forget it. I can't forget it. So you have to go all the way through dinner, (laughs) not saying it. (laughs) And so it's funny that you started off in like the medical career. Did you go into that? Was it like an interest of science? Was it the interest of like security? Because those are, I mean, I would say relatively, especially now, secure professions. But 
Yeah. So I had always had an interest in the medical field mm-hmm. when I was younger. Um, I really loved human anatomy and the way the body functions and being able to take care of people. I am such a caregiver. And I thought that's a perfect opportunity. And when I was in high school, I didn't want to go to college. I never went to college. But the EMT course became available when I was a senior. And so as a senior, I was also doing the EMT course. It was three nights a week from like five to 10 on top of my senior year. So by the time I graduated, I was an EMT and I had a job right there in Otsego County as an EMT as well. So it was really, it was a nice pathway into a good secure living without having to go to the traditional college of, you know, two to four years and still not know what I wanted to do. (laughs) Exactly. I I talk about that a lot, just being an English major and knowing I didn't want to teach. And my dad's saying, well, you know, there's no English factory, so you're going to have to get a J-O-B somehow. Why don't you join the Marines? I'm like, oh, thank God that I can do that. That that is that J-O-B. So with that though, I imagine when you're like 17, 18 years old, you get exposed to a lot, probably more than you are either mentally or emotionally prepared for. Yes. But it must mature you. Absolutely. And I had lost my mom when I was 15 to cancer. Oh, and that's so awful. already I was way matured for that age because I helped take care of her. So she had, she had came down with cancer when I was 12 or 13. So from that age to 15, I was taking her to doctor's appointments. I was helping her with the medications. And towards the end, which was pretty drawn out, I was helping in every aspect of taking care of her. And so I think that really prepared me for the medical field to be able to see that firsthand and not only deal with the person that's passing or that has passed, but with the family members too. Because I have a large family and getting the comfort from all of them and me being able to give them comfort too has helped me comfort others in those certain times. Oh, I I can't even imagine that experience. I mean, I hope to never imagine that experience, though the reality of life is that no one is getting out of here alive, of course. Yes, yes. But just the growth that happens at those years. Yeah, yeah. And so when I did go into the EMT field, I, I enjoyed being able to experience different patients and you always have those frequent flyers as we call them people that you pick up a lot whether it's for a certain illness that happens again and again or the person who's an alcoholic and needs somebody there to pick them up because they think they're having a heart attack or a drug overdose and being able to be there for those people in those times when they need somebody the most you can it's the most unselfish thing you can do, but it's selfish at the same time because it makes you feel good. And I just, (laughs) after EMT, um, I went to a doctor's office and I loved that even more because it was the same people over and over again that I got to have conversations with and, and see their growth both professionally and personally. And that's where you met your husband in, in the EMT healthcare space. Yes. And I imagine that you bring some of those values to the businesses that absolutely, you now run. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially with opening up the new wedding barn, the Blue Room Barn. I love making people feel like they're the number one priority. They're the only people I see or I'm talking to. And so getting, being able to have couples in there and making their dreams come true of a wedding and their big day finish out exactly how they pictured it and I get to be a part of it. I just, 
it's incredible. So you yeah. had a boyfriend who eventually became a husband and you both had entrepreneurial backgrounds mm -hmm. and had some bugs, but were too, too afraid to act on them, but something happened. Yes. So my husband is very courageous and when he was running his fencing company while working as a paramedic, as a paramedic or EMT, you work 24 hours on, 48 hours off. So he had about five days, four to five days a week to do fencing on the side of being a paramedic. Mm -hmm. And our chief said, Jordan, I'm not firing you, but you need to go pursue your fencing company and you can come back if anything happens. So that was really the leap and encouragement that my husband needed. Was it a push or was it a leap? What did it feel like? A little bit about probably push, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and he was getting burnt out. And anybody in the the medical field knows mm -hmm. that burnout. He was in he was a paramedic for 13 years. Oh wow. Yes. So he was getting quite burnt out. And uh, when he decided to do this, I decided I no longer wanted to be an EMT. I wanted a normal job, a normal schedule. So I went to work at the doctor's office nine to five. And then about a year later, we decided we were opening a third business, or at that time it was a second business that we have now closed or are closing. And when it happened, I didn't really think. I just said, hey, two weeks, I'm going to be gone. Because I knew that if I didn't do it then, I wasn't going to leave the doctor's office because I had courage in that moment to take the leap and work for ourselves. So we bought property, we opened up this other business, and now that business that was such a burden to us has become such a blessing in the long run. That's a totally different story, though. <laughs> I think that's a story of entrepreneurialism, though. Like, you start yes. things, you stop things. Knowing when to stop things is just as important as knowing when to start them. And yes. it's not like you don't gain from the experience. Absolutely. And it was hard to stop that business, to have the courage to stop it. And, and the ego blow of it, of it didn't fail. We just didn't have the time to put towards it because our fencing company had grown exponentially. So my husband no longer had time to, you know, it was an out of season business, if you will. Well, fencing now does not have an off season. We are busy all the time. And so he didn't have the time to put towards the mechanical aspect of the second business where I couldn't run the mechanical aspect of it. So long story short, I left and I started doing the books for our fencing company, which I had never run books for I was going to say, I didn't remember hearing any accounting uh -uh. education in your background. <laughs> I had no clue. I never even took accounting in high school. So I actually went downstate and I took a quick QuickBooks class. It was a three-day class on how to run QuickBooks, which was like $1,000 that we really didn't have at the time. Mm -hmm. And I at least got enough knowledge to know how to run QuickBooks, but it was still very messy. And then I got pregnant and we had our daughter and I told my husband, I can't keep, you know, I was a full-time mom. I couldn't balance the work of a full-time mom, breastfeeding at home all the time with our baby and the accounting side of our business. And he had to take that over for me. And that was hard too. That was a big risk. 
and in an ego blow knowing that I had to say I can't do it <laughs> and then the reality is is that uh, we were talking during break that there's this curse of the capable yes. once you start figuring out that you can figure things out you start to imagine well yeah. what else can I do yeah. what else can I do and then you start to realize that you can do a lot because there's YouTube there's thousand dollar right. courses there's things that you can, once you start to realize that yeah. there are skills connected to your goals that you can develop, mm -hmm. it starts to accelerate your ambition and your aspirations. Yes. So to be able to say like, I can do this, but I really can't do this right now. It's yes. hard. Yes. And, and the reality is I probably could have kept doing it, mm -hmm. but maybe I would have suffered time with my daughter. I would have sacrificed that. And with losing my mom, I know those are years I will not get back. So mm -hmm. I wanted to make them as memorable as possible and still be able to give our business the appropriate attention it needed. And yet not too long after you started another business. Yes. <laughs> not so that lasted for like two weeks. I had those thoughts for two weeks yeah. and then decided, dang, I'm not busy uh, enough. I right. Need... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So talk about um, the barn. So the Blue Ribbon Barn, how did that come about? So the day after, the day we signed for our second business property, my husband looked at me, we were headed home, and we are taking the back roads, and he said, what's the next business going to be? Like, we just signed for this property. What do you, he's like, what's the next business? And I said, well, I've always wanted to run a wedding venue. I've always wanted to be a party planner. Did he know this was an ambition of yours? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just, don't you know me? Like, was, I've always wanted this. I was kind of stuck back seat, if you will, because I, I, I'm a people pleaser and I'm a people supporter. So I wanted everything that he wanted to come to fruition. And so when I said that, he's like, oh, okay. And we're driving these back roads and there's a beautiful spot with an old barn. And he's like, something like that. And I was like, That'd be amazing. That'd be beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful old barn, but all the siding's off. And so fast forward a couple more years, and a property right down our road comes for sale with a barn on it. And it's kind of a, oh, a, a more advanced barn. It has tiled floors and tongue and groove walls. It's beautiful. And he goes, what about that barn? And I'm thinking we weren't going to open a barn for another 10 years at this point. I'm like, yeah, you know, and I think he's just joking. And then his uncle calls and his uncle says, I see that's for sale. You want to buy it and run a gas station out of it? Because it used to be a gas station restaurant. Mm -hmm. And my husband goes, no, but Amanda wants a wedding barn. And so we bought it. We went in 50-50 with his uncle and bought this barn that we are now revamping. And like I said, it used to be a gas station restaurant. So last week, we just took down this horrible awning that was over top of the gas station pumps. And there's work that has been done on it, but there's more work that needs to be done in order to get it to the venue you know, specifications, if you will. I swear, being in your relationship, uh, be afraid to say things that you want and desire. Maybe you're like diamond earrings, yes. <laughs> vacation to Switzerland. Right. That's what I really want, don't you? Want to... All I have to say is I really want to go hunting in you know, Switzerland or I really want to go hunting in British Columbia. And he's like, okay, I'm signing this up for it. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah. Which is fascinating in and of itself. And yeah. we're going to talk more about yes. those adventures when we come back. Thank you, Amanda. 
Hey everyone, this is Angie Wachowski. I'm one of the co-authors of Bet On You. This is the companion to the radio program. So if you're enjoying what you're listening to, check out this book. Inside there's some really great guidance and a code that takes you to an online platform that helps you dream better and imagine ways that you can bet on yourself. Check it out. So you're listening to Bet On You Radio, and I have Amanda Hunt here, who among many things is the new owner of Blue Ribbon Barn. So before the break, we were talking about all your exciting adventures, or you're alluding to them, that you and your husband go on. I'm always fascinated, because yeah. I grew up in northern Michigan. My family's, uh, like, they were big hunters, big fishermen. Mm-hmm. I never caught the bug, but apparently you have like you yes. hunt in Montana. Yes. You've got an elk permit. Like talk about that for a second. That's really <laughs> yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, I grew up, I was not a hunter when I was growing up. My brothers maybe went on two deer hunts my whole life. And my husband has been a big hunter his whole life. So I knew if I wanted to spend quality time with him, it was going to be in the mountains of Montana because we, we were together and within two weeks of being together, he was gone for two weeks hunting and he leaves four to five times a year to go to Montana, go hunting in different places. And his grandparents are out there. So he likes to go spend time with them out there. And so I said, okay, yeah, pretty cool. And then he bought me a rifle. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> now I have to learn how to use this. <laughs> and lo and behold, my first year out there hunting with him, I got myself a mule deer buck. And I was, wow. I caught it. It was it. I was, it was so cool because it's not like Michigan. It's not still hunting where you're sitting there just waiting for the deer to come in. You are hiking the mountains of Montana, stalking deer, being very quiet. And, you know, you might spot them from a thousand yards out. And then you have to make a play on how to get there. And my first deer ever, I literally had to belly crawl with my rifle and pack in order to get into position to get him. And I'm like, this is it. So I want to do this all the time. And you loved it. You got the bug. Oh my gosh. And you hunt bobcat and bear and. Yes. Yep. I got my very first mountain lion two years ago out in Montana. And that was a whole nother game of deep snow hunting and following the hounds, which we had followed hounds in in Michigan for bobcat, but it's a lot of flat ground compared to Montana and it's swamp. So, you know, the hounds take it and amazing. The bobcat ends up in a blowdown and there it is. Well, Montana, the hounds can go for seven to 10 miles for a mountain lion. And we have GPS tracking and all that. So we don't have to hike that far, but you still have to hike up to get to the lion. And so the first day we're out there hunting and I think my husband and I walked seven miles up and down the hills. I was so tired. My hips hurt so bad. And the next day, 3 a.m., let's go again. Okay. So thankfully our hounds had it treed. And I shot him. He came down from the tree and went down the mountain. So the hounds <laughs> followed him. I followed him. And our hounds are barking at him. And he's laying there. And I think, okay, he's dead. And my husband's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's dead. I go to get closer. And he turns and hisses at me. He's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> so my husband says, you have to shoot him from here. And I'm from you to me away from this mountain lion. And then I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to. Too personal now. (laughs) Yeah. And so I did, but that was probably the hardest hunt I've had. But this year I have the deer and elk tag and I've had elk tags before, but I've never been able to pursue them. I've never been able to find them. So that's my goal this year while we're in Montana is to find myself that big bull elk. All of these goals, get your events business (laughs) up and running, get your your big game. And 
Let's then talk about my favorite five questions that I like to ask all my guests. Yes. Okay. We yes. came to that portion of the program. So um, I've heard that you read a lot. I'd love to hear a favorite book that inspires you. Yes. Um, one of my favorite books would probably have to be A Woman After God's Own Heart. It really inspired me to start living a more Christian life and putting God in all of my decisions. Before I do anything, I really try, especially business-wise, I try to, to ask God, is this what I should be doing? Is this going to bring me closer to you? Is this going to bring my family closer to you? And this book really helps you put into perspective of everything throughout all of life, how you can be closer to God in all of your decisions. I love that reflection too. And for those of you too, who maybe it's not God, it's being more intentional with your values mm -hmm. too. Cause I think about spirituality comes in so many forms. Absolutely. That sounds like a really great book to think about, you know, I, I would say heart-based, value-based, yes. faith-based decisions. That's wonderful. Yes. Next question is, I'd love to hear a piece of feedback that somebody provided you that was illuminating. It could be constructive. Yeah. It could be positive. <laughs> Tell us about it. Oh goodness. A piece of feedback. Probably my husband. <laughs> so I struggled a lot with the financial aspect of taking risks. And my husband was just, he, he doesn't struggle with that part a whole lot now. He's just, his thought is, we can always make more money. We, we have the skill sets, we can always make more money, we can take the risks now and make more money on the back end if needed, or we can invest it. And so getting out of my own head and my husband saying, we can always make more money. <laughs> and you can never have more time. Like money is a renewable resource. Yes. Time is non-renewable. Exactly. I love that feedback. I love to hear, and you, you probably alluded to this. Can you share one of your favorite activities here in Northern Michigan? Yeah. In Northern Michigan, we love to go salmon fishing. Mm -hmm. um, we've had a boat for a long time. We actually just got rid of it because we didn't have time to go on it anymore, but one of our good friends has a salmon fishing boat and reeling in a 28 pound salmon that puts up such a fight is, is awesome. <laughs> I love that. And I think that it's better to have a friend's boat than to own yes. your own boat as being a recovering <laughs> boat owner myself. <laughs> Where is one of your favorite places to eat in the region? Oh goodness. So we don't eat out a lot, but whenever we do, we try to find little mom and pop shops to eat at. Mm -hmm. um, so one of our favorites is going to be the Thirsty Sturgeon and Wolverine. And my husband and I don't like crowds. So what we do is we actually order out and then we <laughs> eat it at the house. <laughs> But they have amazing food. Absolutely delicious. I know the crowds in Wolverine, I hear, can get overwhelming. <laughs> Especially for Thirsty Sturgeon. They get, they're crazy I know. The I've time. actually heard of that place. I hear it's quite yes. packed. Um, so I love that you've had this amazing, enriching, and rich life journey. Just if you could share some wisdom with our community, yeah, something yeah. that you picked up along the way so far. So a lot of how this podcast is, is to bet on yourself and take the risks. I just have to say, take the risks. Get out of your own head. Put your ego aside, take the risks. You will not be sad about it. That is wonderful advice. Thank you so much, Amanda. And just I'd like to thank our studio, WTCM, for allowing us to broadcast here in this great place of downtown Traverse City. And I'd also like to thank you two listeners. And please, if you haven't yet, follow us on social media, particularly Instagram and Facebook. We do a lot of posting there. Thanks again. And Amanda, what a great joy to have you here today. Thank you.